Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health and parenting. When you're done listening to this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Today, I have on Karen Alpert, who is the writer of the popular blog, Baby Sideburns. You may have seen a few of her viral posts like, what not to effing buy my kids this holiday, and Caillou sucks so bad, here's another blog about why I hate him. I hate him too. She spent 15 years working for national advertising agencies until she was promoted to her newest favorite job, being a mom. She is a New York Times bestselling author of books like I Heart My Little A-Holes, I Want My Epidural Back, and now her latest book, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be A-Holes. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have you on. I truly read your book and thought every single mom slash parent needs to have this book in their house and somewhere that's like easily accessible in an emergency when you're having a mom meltdown or whatever's happening to just get a quick laugh. It was so awesome. Um, Thanks for writing it. So before I dive into my first question, I want to say your book starts off with a disclaimer that basically says straight up on page two, if you're offended by my language, stop reading now. So I'm going to share that same disclaimer to the listeners right now. If you don't like offensive language, I don't know what's going to happen. We may or may not drop any F-bombs. You might want to stop listening. So I'm going <laughs> to put that out there. But um, I just want to start right out of the gate by asking you, how did you get to be so funny and witty? Did you ever think about being a comedian? Did this start when you had kids? Like, tell me about this. Well, I I definitely never thought about being a comedian. That's for sure. (laughs) That sounds really scary. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I think when I was really young, I was pretty shy. Maybe those things were going on inside my head. I'm not sure. I don't even remember. Remember, I've blacked out most of that part of my life. Um, But, you know, after I had kids, like those things were going on inside my head. And I, at first I'd kind of mutter them under my breath sometimes and I would get a chuckle from other moms and then I started writing it on paper. And what I found is that, yeah, I guess maybe I'm really funny about the way I put it on paper, but I think most of these thoughts are going on in almost all of our heads. Like who doesn't walk into their kid's room and see that they've strung up their Barbie by her legs and has her ho- hovered over a lava pit and think, oh God, my kid's going to be a serial killer. So... <laughs> Like we've all thought that before. I just, I have a way of putting it on paper, I think, or on the screen. Um, and so were you always a writer, even like as a younger kid, were you just that type of person? I have always been a writer. I mean, in the second grade, I remember I wrote my first like poem. I should put that in quotations because I can't even imagine what it looked like. But, um, but I remember the teacher saying to me, you should enter this into, they had like a creative writing magazine they put out at the end of the year for the school and they said, you should enter this. I think I actually, I think it got in. I'm not sure. But I remember at that moment, like something clicked in my brain, like that this is what I really like to do. And I have, I've been writing ever since. You know, usually writers don't have an audience. Um, we write for ourselves. I was very lucky in that I, you know, got this audience together and they like to read my stuff. So I, I find, I'm, I count my blessings every day. That's awesome. When did you start your blog, Baby Sideburns? I started my blog in... 2000 and let me think Zoe was one so 2010 I think yeah 2010 so a long time ago I mean back then the blogging world was much less saturated and it was a lot easier to start but I felt like I was the only mom who didn't have a blog like it felt like 
I think there was some statistic that said there would be 4 million mommy blogs by the end of, you know, some amount of time. And I was like, oh, I got to have one. I'm, I'm a writer. So <laughs> I started it really not knowing anything about blogging. Like, I don't even think I'd read any blogs before. So I was just like, this sounds like a great way for me to write and put it out there. And um, it didn't at first I didn't have that many followers, of course. And then in 2000, I think 13 or maybe even the end of 2012, that was what it was. I started to write for um, a like a group of bloggers here in Chicago and my stuff, um, I had 170 followers and I thought that was amazing. I was really, really happy. And then I wrote that, um, that viral post, what not to effing buy my kids this holiday. And it just exploded. I really, I honestly thought there was a computer glitch because the numbers were going up. And then, then I saw the comments and realized it wasn't a glitch. There were real people. And so I ended up having about 20,000 by the end of that week, I think. So, yeah, and it just took off from there. And I just kind of, I always just write what I feel on paper. I don't, I try not to edit myself too much. And I, and I try to just write reality and it clicks with people. It does. That's what it, it does feel that way. And that was going to be one of my questions. Like, do you just write and you're like, whatever, that's just what I was thinking. Or do you actually edit yourself up a lot? Well, I do. Ed- I mean, like when you read a blog post of mine, a lot of hours went into most, most of them. I mean, we used to have this challenge in my blogging group that was, you had to write and publish your blog within one hour. And I actually, I think one of my, one of my biggest viral hits ever was one of those. And it was about peanut allergies and about, you know, a-hole parents who don't believe that we should help kids with peanut allergies. <laughs> so, that one actually did great, but most of my blogs, especially the ones that are lists and that are humorous, they take a lot of editing. I usually write a really fast list of things down. So that comes to me really quickly, but to form the words and just make it sound good, that takes a while. So in this latest book, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be A-Holes, there are lists and there's letters and there's sometimes like multiple choice. I thought it was just so funny. Are those things that are from other blogs and you put them and put them together as a book or is this all original content for this book? I mean, I'd say it's a mix, but it's a heavy mix of new stuff. Um, heavy on the new stuff. I, when I write a book and I'm asking someone to spend, you know, 10 or $20 on something, it shouldn't be something that was available on the internet for free for years. So, um, so I, you know, there are things that there are posts in there that went so viral that were so fun and exciting that I did put them in the book. Like when the, the elf on the shelf burned, like that needed to be written on paper at some point. Um, but if people, if people don't know about that, I, we, I hid the elf in the shelf on the oven, like peeking out of the oven. It was so cute. And then I forgot and I preheated the oven and it went up in flames. <laughs> it was horrendous. <laughs> and is that when the, the elf went on vacation? Yes, the elf went on vacation for a few days because Amazon couldn't ship me one immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's not, there's, a, I, I think probably, I'm going to say like 10% of the book is stuff that was published already and 90% is brand new. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think if people don't know you and don't follow you yet, um, they definitely get a really good sense very quickly about, you know, your thoughts, what you're like, what your writing style is like, your humor, um, which I love that. It's it's just served right there up front. So there were so many things. It's funny. There, I, I think our, our thoughts and our beliefs align. And I come at it, of course, from a totally different angle of, um, you know, working and treating kids and doing lots of parenting stuff. But we're saying the same things. And so 
you talk about in chapter one that you, we do not need to be our kids' servants. And I have written about this. I talk about this a lot. But you have this list of 50 things to teach your kids before they fly the coop, which is so brilliant. I love it so much. But um, how did making pasta get the number one spot? I mean, to me, making pasta is the most, one of the easiest things you can teach your kids because, I mean, you're boiling a pot of water. Like, right. It's, it's really, I mean, I could have written boil a pot of water, but like nobody just boils water. So, <laughs> so there's gotta be like this morning, my daughter asked me if I could make her oatmeal for her. And I was like, yeah, put the oatmeal in the bowl, get the spoon out and I'll go ahead and make it. And I literally just put some water in the pot and put it on the stove. I'm like, there you go. You know, your oatmeal's made. You, can, you can do the rest. <laughs> so it's, it, it's just such a, an essential thing to teach our kids along with every other thing on that list. I mean, everything from financial responsibilities, like my kids see me swipe the credit card all the time and they're like, just put it on the credit card. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, you need a little bit of background into what's happening behind that little piece of plastic. So, and then even, I think I'm pretty sure the last one on the list, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think it's about learning how to teach your kid to put in a new light bulb. The whole list came from, the whole idea of the list came from a news story I read like or saw like years and years ago. There was a um, 20-something-year-old or, or maybe a late teen who had recently moved out of the house and the lights stopped working in their house and they called the electrician and the electrician came in and, you know, went up there to check it out. And sure enough, he was like, you need a new bulb. And like, and that was it. Like the kid didn't ever think to replace the bulb. And like, that was what, 100 or $200. And what a silly thing for a kid not to know. So I love that. That You know, I'm going to sort of out myself a little bit, but I'll just say that I run a private group practice. And so I run it, which is interesting. So I have gotten requests like that from adults. Like the lamp doesn't work anymore. And I'm like, really? Did you jiggle? Did you like, make sure the cord? Yup, yup, yup. And then I go in and I'm like, oh, we just needed a light bulb change. Yes. <laughs> so my, husband was, my husband was trying to um, fix our light switch in our bathroom for a very long time. And I went in there and I was like, oh my God. I'm like, there's not a bulb in the socket. <laughs> I put it all up on the blog. I'm like, this is my husband. <laughs> So. It sounds, but yeah, I mean, essentially what you're saying is like, um, we need to teach our kids these common sense, get through life in a really basic, but important way. Like we can't forget yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah. It's easier for us to do it for them. And that's the problem. I mean, like we were like, I'm just going to do it. It's just going to be easier and faster and cleaner. And the problem is we forget that they need to learn that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think that if anyone's listening right now, there are times I have to remind myself like, no, you can just let them make the whatever, you know, and like you said in the book, like your kitchen will be dirtier. It will take so much longer. Um, it may be painful, but you, in the end, you've taught them and it is quicker and easier to just do it yourself. But I think that is when we can part of our job. Yeah, for sure. You've got the time. In another chapter, you talk about how you're teaching your kids to deal with bullies, you know, was very interested in what you were going to say. So, you, you take things kind of a step farther. So I feel like it's really common when we're teaching bullying, um, you know, how to deal with a bully and all that kind of stuff, especially in like school curriculums to understand have compassion that they probably have, you know, things going on in their lives that, you know, aren't so great. So then they come and treat people poorly. But you take it a step farther and you're like, you know, really showing them compassion. And so I'm wondering like where that came from and what inspired that 
thinking of yours? Ooh, what inspired it? I don't know. I look at kids. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think there's anything such thing as a bad kid. I don't think kids are bad. Like there's something that's hurting them on the inside and that's what makes them act out. It's a very hard thing to teach your kids, but I'm like trying to teach my kids. Like if someone wrongs you, it's probably not you that's at fault. It's them that's at fault. There's something wrong inside them that's making them hurt and making them do that to you. It makes my kid not a victim. It makes the other child um, have something wrong with them. I cannot fix all the bullies in the world. Like, and my kids are going to come across bullies throughout their lives. Like I still have, there's still women in the world my age who are bullies. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm almost 50. So that's crazy. Um, So the best thing we can do for our children is teach them how to handle it. And I think the best way to handle it is compassion. Don't get me wrong. If someone hits my kid, I don't want them to stand there and be like, let me, you know, help you with your feelings. <laughs> like I want them to go get an adult and get help, but I want them to understand that the reason that kid hit them is because that kid is hurting on the inside. It does. It just does all sorts of things. It takes, it takes the, the problem and lets my kid know that it's not my kid's problem. It's that kid's problem. And we can't fix that child, but we can, we can change your behavior and how you're going to react to that child. Mm-hmm. So. so how do you, you mentioned mom bullies. Um, which actually does come up, I think, in, in multiple conversations that I've had. Have you ever dealt with that kind of situation? And if so, how have you applied the same kind of idea to it? I mean, I haven't personally dealt with it too much, which is really good. Um, I don't know. I think people are probably worried that I'll put them on the blog, <laughs> which I might. So yeah, just you've in case warm. you're out there thinking about bullying me, yes, I might. <laughs> So, but I, there's a, there's so much mom judgment out there and, and you know what, I like, we're all human. I'm going to judge in my head sometimes. There's no question. But when we start saying it out loud to other people a lot and we start spreading it around and we start judging people for the wrong reasons, it's just, it's just, there's no, there's no point. It doesn't achieve anything. Yeah. Um, I did truly love every chapter of this book, but the one about Picasso is so important and something I'm really passionate about, which is kind of inspiring creativity in kids. Um, I want you in your own words to kind of introduce how you even open up that chapter, your your thoughts and ideas about not, not having kids try to be like other kids and trying to help them connect with their own ideas. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, I think the chapter is called Picasso's mom didn't tell him to put the eyes in the right place. And yeah. it's, it's true. Like when your kid colors the sky green, like okay, great. That's, that's what he wants to do right now. That's totally fine. I had Zoe, um, from a very early age, she wanted to dress the way she wanted to dress. And believe me, there were times I wanted to put a sign on her that said I didn't dress her, (laughs) but I didn't like, I just kind of went with it. And she wore some crazy outfits out, like really crazy. And believe me, I would get looks, but I just, you know, I decided like that was, it's her body. It's her choice. She gets to decide who she wants to be. And now she's in junior high, which is very interesting because like her outfits have, she's definitely toned them down. There's no question, but I don't see her racing to buy all the same clothes the other kids are wearing. Like she still has her own sense of style and there's good things and bad things about that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like sometimes she doesn't fit in so great and that's tough. That's really tough, but she has like an inner self-confidence that is wonderful and I can see her standing up for herself in ways that some of the other kids aren't. And I see like a lot of other kids have a lot of anxiety and she's not having that as much. 
So I don't know, maybe it's something I did. Maybe it's something she was born with. Like, like I can't take credit for it, but I do think there's something really, really important about letting your kids be themselves and, and celebrating who they've chosen to be. You know, she walks down the stairs looking like that. And I have two choices. I can tell her to go upstairs and change or tell her she looks like a kook or I can, um, or I can say like, wow, you look like you just walked off the runway. And I, I tend to go with the latter because that's the one that puts more self-confidence in her and celebrates the choice that she just made. Mm-hmm. Love that. You also uh, mentioned some celebrities that maybe sometimes you reference in terms of like, yeah, they were different. They weren't normal. They weren't like everybody else. And I thought that was an also, also another great, you know, reframe and reminder of people who are usually extraordinary in their lives are not like everybody else. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think about, you know, Lady Gaga, Elton John, um, I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head right now. You listed Madonna. Madonna, yes. I'm like, and not just rock stars like Albert Einstein. Like these are people that they that they thought out of the box and they didn't like let the constraints of society like decide who they were gonna be. And they and did they hit bumps along the way? Were there hurdles? For sure. And like she's hitting those hurdles big time. But she's also turning into like this awesome kick-ass human being, and so is her brother. And they really do feel like they can um, reflect their own personality and not conform to what everyone else is doing. And I think that's how the world turns into an amazing place. Like we don't all want, all want to be the same person. That's so boring. So we celebrate differences in our house. Like we, I mean, I know lots of people are saying weird is good, but like make it clear, like weird is good. Like when your kid walks downstairs and they want to wear their hair in a really weird way, that's fine. That's great. Not, not, that's not fine. That's great. Like that, that's a kid thinking for themselves. Yeah, so I have a lot of people on my blog that tell me like, oh, I, I have so much trouble with what my kid put on this morning as an outfit. I wanted them to wear this matching dress. And I'm like, like, just let them go with it. Like, it's not going to hurt. If anything, it's going to really help. Yeah, I think it's um, maybe also a reflection of how comfortable we are with it, with our own selves, maybe our own experience at that age, or even how we feel, you know, as a parent or as an adult, you know, that not everybody blossoms and gets to the point where they're like, oh, I'm free to be me and like watch out world kind of thing. There's still, you know, I think majority of people who are still like you're saying as parents, like this is all new for us too, just trying to figure this out. So if everybody buys this stroller, I guess this is the best stroller. If everybody goes to this school, it must be the best school, you know, whatever it might be. I think there's a lot of that that still happens within parenthood. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I look, I'm not entirely comfortable, comfortable with myself either. Like, do I like my thighs when I get in a bathing suit? Absolutely not. <laughs> right. But, but I try not to let my kids see that. And I try to like make them think I'm always comfortable, comfortable with myself. And I try to instill that in them because it's just so important for kids to feel self-confident, just to feel good about who they are and the choices that they're making. Um, but you're right. I mean, like moms, we, we have so many insecurities and I think the key is trying as best we can, trying not to pass those insecurities along to our own, to our children. So yeah. we always say we want our kids to be better than we are. So I'm trying. I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, I just recently had that experience being on vacation as well. And my 13 year old daughter said to me, why don't you wear bikinis? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, here I go. I have to figure out a good answer for this. And I just said, First of all, I do still have a lot of my old bikinis. So I said, oh, girl, I used to wear bikinis. Look, and I'm showing her and they're like, you know, string bikinis are so cute. And she's like, yeah, well, why don't you wear them? And I'm like, well, 
I feel like, you know, my body's different and changing and I may get there again, but I have to feel comfortable within it for myself. So I'm working on it. And she definitely was, I think, staring at me thinking like, what are you working on? But but that was my answer. So I, I guess I'm sharing that because even for those of us who are in the parenting world a lot, it, there's still times where I am, I am not comfortable with something or I made a bad decision or ah, I don't know exactly how I want to explain that to my child. And I have all these things running through my head, like body positivity and accepting yourself for who you are. And oh my gosh, you know, but you know, I, I think the other piece is that if you do say something wrong or I say something wrong, like later on, just say, you know, I want to answer that a different way. And that that's okay too. And I feel like that's probably in the spirit of a lot of the things that you write about, which is, you know, if you don't get it right the first time, you can always go back. Oh my God. I F up all the time, like all the time. And like, yeah, you're right. Like six days later, sometimes I'll come back and say something or 20 minutes later. But I mean, like the, the going back to your daughter and the bikini situation, like how awesome is it that she thinks you should wear a bikini? Like, <laughs> I think that's great. Oh, <laughs> I mean, through her eyes, like you're perfect, which is such a huge thing. Yeah. Right. Not, not to turn it on you, but. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that is a good point. And I think she probably sees me as this confident, self-assured person in most other settings. And, um, you know, I'm resisting saying to her, like, I think that ship has sailed a long time ago. It's not coming back. But um, but she doesn't understand why, though. Yeah. But our and, kids see us as like, like, see us as these great things. Like, even when we mess up over and over and over again, at the end of the day, our kids look at us and they would like, you know, those hearts in their eyes. Like, they think we're just wonderful. Right. That's, I mean, like, that's what we should take home, even when we mess up. Like, what they're really seeing is, is a great mom. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I think vice versa. I think that one of the things that contributes to a really secure you know, bond and connection and attachment with a child is that we look at them adoringly as well. Like, oh my gosh, you're the smartest, funniest, cutest, right? I tell my boys all the time, like there could be no handsomer of a boy than you, you know, and I just say whatever is on my mind and like who else is ever going to look at them and genuinely feel that way. And so I think though, one of the things that I love about your books and particularly this last one um, is that it gives an opportunity, I think, to realize that like our kids are perfectly imperfect. And I think you bring to light like the most everyday things. I do not know how you track it all because everything's like <laughs> I'm laughing out loud. And it's just like you you just normalize it. And that's why I say I think this is a book that like you don't even have to sit down and read cover to cover. You could just pick up in a moment and just read a chapter or whatever and like have that moment of remembering, yes, all kids are little a-holes at times. It's kind of part of their job and it's our job to help form them become to, you know, someone else. And so did you know that you were going to have that kind of effect when you started writing? No, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I'm like, I'm winging it just like the rest of us. Like, I don't know, like on a daily basis, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, I messed up with camp this year. Zoe hates her camp. Um, Holden's camp is only three hours a day. So I'm getting angry a lot because I have him home so much. Like, no, I mess up all the time. So I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. And I'm just, and I'm just writing that down because I feel like it helps parents so much to know that we all don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And does we're just trying, we're trying our hardest and, and that, that a for effort to all of us. You talk a lot about, you know, like 
the normal everyday things that are going on in kids' lives. Um, do you ever write about things that didn't necessarily happen in your own home, but you were on vacation with somebody or you were at a party or you were whatever, and you're making observations about other stuff going on? I mean, occasionally, but only with somebody's um, permission, but not like not too often, because I feel like we all have our own you know, thoughts and beliefs. I, I don't know if someone, if someone sends something into me, that's just so awesome. I have to share it. Then I'll, then I'll ask them, can I share that? But for the most part, it's about my own, my own life. Like, it's funny. I live in the burbs. It's the most boring life ever, but there's plenty to write about every day. <laughs> I feel like that's parenthood. Like there's just always something interesting. And how do you track it? Do you write it in a notebook? Do you put it in the notes section? I used to write on paper a lot. Now I usually send myself emails. So if you look at my emails, it's like there's so many emails from myself. So <laughs> I'm sure there's a million ideas in there that I haven't written about that I've just forgotten about. But yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to end our conversation today with asking you when you need a break, when you are not laughing at whatever's going on right in your life, you're really in the moment. Maybe you're irritated, you're mad, whatever it might be. Uh, what do you do to kind of recharge yourself and give yourself a break? Besides drink, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which actually I'm not a huge drinker, but I do like a drink once in a while. But like most moms, I usually get to a boiling point and then quite often I go over that boiling point. <laughs> so I'm not perfect. I, I'm like a, maybe not even one to give a device in this arena, but I, I lose my patience a lot. I, I try to step away when I can, when I really when I really need to. I try to step away. I'll try to go out for a walk with like my, you know, a good podcast on um, like this one. <laughs> I try to, um, I just try to step away. I have a box of chocolate in my closet that nobody else knows about. <laughs> I have not heard that one. That's good. You haven't? Oh, no. for sure. <laughs> then no one can steal my chocolate. You know, I, 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 I will text a friend. I'll, you know, just do anything I can to get away. I'm, I read magazines a little bit, but I'm not very good at taking breaks because honestly, my to-do list is always like three miles long. And even though I need them a lot more than I get them, but yeah, I try. <laughs> you try. I write, I guess I write. Yeah. That, so. That's your, uh, your outlet is writing. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And when I'm baking um, cakes, that's my new thing. I'm, well, I'm decorating cakes. So that's my fantasy. That was my fantasy too. Last year when I started, I bake a Betty Crocker cake and then I decorate it to the nines. So right, that's what I want to do. Yeah, you can do it. Just go um, go look at my stuff. You'll it'll totally inspire you. I am going to do that. I hope that you have this. You probably do. I know it's just a tip, but I want to be able to do the frosting where it looks like roses all over the cake. Yep. The whole thing is just roses. I want to know how to do that. I'll tell you, it's so easy to learn. All you do is go online, and there's a million people that teach these things. And I just watched a thousand videos or not even a thousand, I probably watched 10 videos. <laughs> and, and I started learning how, and like, now I follow these people and I just, once a week, I make a, I, probably once every week or two, I decorate a cake and I, we either eat it ourselves or we give it to somebody else and it's going great. So it's just a nice, you know, outlet. I really love that. And my daughter does too. We love watching things like cupcake wars and baking cake. Mm -hmm. Like I am a total wannabe. So yep. I need to get to that point of actually doing, I have some really, I could have a little funny things on all my fails. I mean, I tried to make a soccer ball once. I mean, I have a <laughs> lot of fails, but they always taste good. I always say, well, who cares? It's, it tastes good anyway. Good. But the more you do it, the better you get. Like I was terrible last July, awful. And like now I can make a pretty cool cake. 
So it's not that difficult. It's just well, it's look fun. at that. You've inspired me today to be like, I can do this. Yes, <laughs> I can do this. Your well, new thank career. You. Yes, my watch. Watch out. Cakes <laughs> are coming. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on and being so responsive. You're probably one of the first guests that I truly kind of cold emailed and just said, oh, my gosh, I just I just want to talk to you. I love this book. And you replied very graciously and quickly. And so I think that's really uh, very cool of you to do that. And um, I'm flattered. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was just it's just great. So I totally support um, you and your book and your message. And it's funny, but there's also like incredible wisdom within it. Real stuff. It's not just funny. It really does have awesome advice in it. Um, so I can't say enough good things about mama. Don't let your babies grow up to be a-holes. Karen, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, I'd love to connect again in the future. Thanks, Cheryl. I really appreciate it. So thank you for listening to Dr. Cheryl's podcast today with Karen Alpert. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Bye-bye.